that time of year again. Mistletoe, Santa Claus, Bing Crosby on heavy rotation in the Soper household, and the holiday shopping season. And with every year that goes by, it becomes more and more likely that you'll be spending more of your hard-earned dollars on a little site called Amazon.com. Yes, Alexa has been playing a lot of Bing Crosby in our household. Mm -hmm. And if you're a vendor who sells on Amazon, this is an all-important time of year for your business. You're hoping for a rush of Christmas sales, and you'll be doing everything you can to make sure that customers browsing on Amazon can find your goods. And occasionally, people go to really, really extreme lengths to try to get that edge over all the other vendors competing for business. That's what our story is about today. The rough-and-tumble, vendor-on-vendor, hand-to-hand, click-to-click combat going on behind the scenes at Amazon Marketplace. Yeah, things like pumping your customer reviews with five-star ratings as a way to game the algorithm and appear higher in the list of search results when customers are looking for a given product. And counterfeiting popular items. That's something else that happens all the time. We'll tell you about Amazon's never-ending quest to shut down this activity. It's like an epic game of whack-a-mole, where just as Amazon manages to crack down on one kind of bad behavior, another practice springs up in its place. But first, let's explain what exactly is Amazon Marketplace. Yeah, the name might not sound familiar, but if you shopped on Amazon, chances are you've already browsed products being sold on the marketplace. Amazon operates like a traditional retailer, such as Walmart or Target. They buy things in bulk at wholesale prices and resell them to shoppers. But it also operates like a consignment shop. It lets more than 2 million merchants post their own things on its site and give Amazon a cut of each sale. That's the marketplace and is a major part of Amazon's business. By letting third-party merchants sell goods on its marketplace, Amazon has been able to expand its inventory far more quickly than it would have been able to if it operated only as a traditional retailer that buys stocks and then sells its own merchandise. In his annual letter to shareholders, CEO Jeff Bezos said that marketplace sales account for nearly half of all units sold on Amazon. Yeah, the marketplace is 15 years old, but because of the way all the search results on Amazon are listed, it's not always clear which items are being sold by Amazon and which are being sold by independent merchants. A lot of our listeners probably buy from marketplace every week and and may not even know they're doing it. Right, but one of the best ways you can tell that a given product is coming from the marketplace is by the customer reviews. It's hard to overstate just how important these reviews are for vendors, how much lots of great reviews helps them boost sales, and and how much negative reviews can really sink a product. Reviews are the currency of Amazon. That's right. Amazon really can't afford for shoppers to stop trusting the authenticity of reviews. A recent report from the research firm Feedvisor found that some 90% of Amazon shoppers wouldn't buy a product at all if it had fewer than three stars. So there's a lot of incentive to try to game the system, especially on Amazon, which drives so much more commerce than other sites. And that's where all these underhanded tactics really come into play. At stake are the billions of dollars people spend on Amazon Marketplace every year. And as we do more and more of our shopping on the internet, the stakes are really only getting higher. I'm Brad Stone. And I'm Spencer Soper. And in this week's episode of Decrypted, we'll hear from some of the people who make Amazon Marketplace work. We'll hear from a vendor, someone who has faced threats to his business because of copycats, as well as one of Amazon's top reviewers to understand just how influential those customer reviews can be. And we'll talk to the businesses trying to spot 
and stop customers from getting duped by the fake reviews. Let's start by taking a trip to South Carolina. Come in. Spencer. Hi, Joseph. So good to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Nice to meet you. You ready to talk Amazon reviews? Totally. It's my favorite topic. And you don't know what to do with me. That's me arriving in Greenville, South Carolina to meet Gisela Hausman. Gisela is a top reviewer for Amazon. She's even written a book about it called Naked Truths About Getting Product Reviews on Amazon.com, Seven Insider Tips to Boost Sales. One of the first things Gisela explained to me is why these reviews matter so much to merchants. A cool side effect of these reviews is that sellers can get direct feedback on what their customers like and don't like about their products. But the real reason is landing a high ranking in Amazon search results. Here's Gisela. This is a computer system that works purely on algorithms. So the second you go and buy any product, the sales ranking of this product is going to improve. At the same time, you may decide to review this product. Now it gets a review. And here is why this is important. If a product has a good sales rank and also a lot of reviews, Amazon's SEO ranking pushes this product on its own. Seeing her in her home in the Greenville suburbs, Gisela comes off like a college professor passionate about her subject matter and eager to share her knowledge. We chatted over coffee while her cats lurked nearby, and Gisela told me that she first got interested in Amazon reviews as a book author because she knew they would be key to her success. So she figured... The best way to learn about them was to begin writing them herself. Being a top reviewer on Amazon has to be a pretty odd business to be in. Gisela told you she gets 250 emails a month from sellers hoping she'll write a good review of their products. Yes, she's become quite a magnet. And because she gets pitches from so many sellers, she also has some insight on the schemes they come up with to help boost their ratings. Here's one anecdote she had about how she was approached by a Chinese seller. They said, hey. We're going to offer you a coupon. You buy this product for 10% of the price. Some of them said for 1% of the price. But you had to buy. It was reduced ridiculously. And then please review. If they went to the entire list of 10,000 top reviewers and they offered you some digital device or Christmas lights at this time of the year, they'd suddenly have a huge spike in which they sold at 1% of the price, which Amazon ignores. Sold is sold regardless of how much you sell. And a huge spike of 150 products coming in over three days as a purchase. Oh, so this is a key detail. Even if you buy something at a steep discount, Amazon's algorithm does not care. Exactly. All Amazon sees is that you paid for it. It doesn't matter how much. Amazon is not a person. That algorithm says, oh my God, this book is, this product is in demand, in demand, in demand. And it shows this same product on all kinds of sites as if it were a bestseller. Other people see this product and they go, oh my God, look at that. Product shoots up. It registers in the bestseller category, group, area, vicinity. And now you have the reviews coming in on top of it. And that's when everybody else buys. 
And that's why I think that Amazon did away with it, because they realized what's happening. Okay, that last point is really important. Last month, Amazon changed the rules for customer reviews. Now Amazon gets to decide who's allowed to leave what they call a, quote, incentivized review. That's right. Amazon is something called the Vine program, and it's Amazon's way of deciding which customers can receive promotional products and review them. So if I recall correctly, previously incentivized reviews were allowed, but the reviewer had to disclose that they received the product at a discount for their review. The problem was the disclosures were becoming so prolific on the site, so ubiquitous, it was actually tough to find an authentic review from someone who just bought the product with no strings attached. Exactly, and and some consumers are actually getting frustrated by seeing all of these disclosures about getting free products and that undermine this review system that's so important because for customers sometimes the hardest part about buying something online is not being able to see it and touch it first consumer reviews help eliminate that guesswork but only if they're authentic. And, and we should point out that reviews aren't just important at Amazon. There are companies like Yelp and TripAdvisor and eBay and OpenTable that rely on customer reviews to drive traffic. And, and they also grapple with complaints about gamesmanship and authentic reviews. Yeah, the gamesmanship has been relentless. And uh, get this, just weeks after Amazon made those changes, Gisela told me sellers are already finding ways around it and are trying to keep Amazon in the dark. So I get approached from a Chinese scammer who writes to me, please review this product. We will send you a gift card. And then we pray that you don't tell. The phrase we pray that you don't tell already implies that they know they are doing the wrong thing. The same system is happening as before. The vendor gives me the product, the gift card. I'm buying the product. I'm driving up the product rank. And then they want my review. And basically the same thing happened as before. Now we put ourselves into Amazon's position. They probably know that. They cannot say, we're going to stop selling gift cards. So that's not going to happen. Obviously they cannot. So what they do is they come in retroactive and try to find these reviews with the algorithm. And that's the only thing that they can do. Now, Gisela wasn't the only one to notice something fishy happening with Amazon's reviews. So I took a trip to Brooklyn, New York. We were all buying products from Amazon uh, around this time last year, and we kept on noticing that it would come really late, or it would come without Amazon packaging, uh, or it come with uh, stamps from foreign countries that we didn't realize was coming. So it, it looked really weird and suspicious. That's Ming Wei. Ming's company is called FakeSpot. It's a website that rates the authenticity of Amazon's product ratings and reviews. Basically, tells customers whether they can trust the ratings. So an entire company dedicated to spotting fake ratings and reviews. It, it gives you some sense of just how widespread the issue is if there's a cottage industry developing around online customer reviews. Yeah, and the timing of it, too. FakeSpot only launched last year, but it's already getting millions of users. It works by cutting and pasting the URL for an Amazon product into its search engine. Here, let me show it to you. 
Okay, so you've got these. Uh, you've got an o- Omega fish oil up on Amazon.com, and it's it, it's got 332 reviews, mostly positive. It looks good. So how can Fake Spot help us? So here we're gonna cut and paste the URL for this product. Go over to Fake Spot, which looks like your normal search engine. You're you're entering the URL into a search bar, and you click analyze. Wow, an F grade, a failing grade, just like an F on a term paper. So the Omega fish oil with 332 reviews and four and a half stars, that those were bogus. Yeah, so if you just counted on Amazon reviews alone as a time-strapped shopper, you might see those reviews and decide to buy the product. But if you take an extra step over at Fake Spot, you might have second thoughts. And I picked that uh, Omega-3 fish oil because Ming said that health care products and beauty products in particular are susceptible to fake reviews. My wife was getting all these recommendations from her friends and like, oh, you should buy this cream or buy that oil. And as we started reading and poking through the reviews, we realized that we weren't looking at reviews with a, with a more critical eye and that we were just randomly accepting that that five, you know, this thing has one or 200 reviews and it has four stars, it must be good. So we just, and as you start, Digging in deeper is when you realize, oh, sometimes people leave a review that says, oh, I just got this product, we'll update my review, you know, once I've tried the product. But they would leave it four stars. I'm like, well, you're leaving four stars for a product you haven't tried. But I think being in tech, you're probably trained to think about, they started to see, every, all, each of us started to see patterns. For example, you would see that everybody used the same language to describe the product. So for example, in beauty, Almost every review would say things like, oh, my skin was so soft and supple. Or the reviews would all be clustered around the same date. And all of a sudden you look like, 20 people dropped the review on this on one same day. It was like, and these were like to us early, early telltale signs where something is wrong or that the reviewers would leave uh, um, seemingly long reviews of the product but it would make no mention specifically of what the product was it would just say i loved it i use it every day it's fantastic oh i rec- highly recommend everybody use it we're like well that looks like a review that you can write for anything so i found two things interesting here first both Ming and Gisela feel like these phony reviews are a fairly new thing like in the last year or two that's interesting i mean we've had customer reviews on the internet now for 20 years, there probably have been fake reviews all along. It's just that the, the, the stakes are so high and the levels of online commerce are so significant now that the, the problem is getting more attention. Exactly. Becoming more prominent and, and, and not getting washed out. Uh, the second thing is Ming says this product market for his business exists because consumers are conditioned to respond to and trust products with a lot of positive reviews. It's probably similar to the Pavlovian response that we experience when we see the word sale, right? It, it, we feel like we're getting a good deal, even if the price may not be all that great. I fall for it all the time. And FakeSpot, which has graded 150 million Amazon reviews to date, makes money from ad sales, but only enough to maintain its web servers. Ming said he and his partners have some seed money, and they're primarily focused on the product right now, and they'll worry about monetizing the concept later. But here's how this search algorithm actually works. The engine does two things when you click for an analysis. It goes and logs every review that the product has. So let's say the product has 500 reviews, for example. It will look through all 500 reviews 
And then at the same time, while I was looking for, through the reviews, it will then also take uh, the profile of each reviewer and all their reviews in history uh, into account. If you have a lot of unverified purchases, which are purchases made outside of uh, Amazon, but you leave the review on Amazon, that's a big telltale sign for us. If you have the date cluster thing, so we have things that we put in place to, to, to track aggressive marketing. So we'll, if you have a lot of date clusters, if you have a lot of reviewers that, because we go through the history, so let's say you have one reviewer that posted a product A, and then as we go through check their history, we notice that they were on product C in this category, product D in the other category, we'll know that they're a professional reviewer. Part of the problem here has to be that there's just so much for the merchants to gain, as, as well as the reviewers who probably are enjoying their, their freebies. Exactly. They go hand in hand. Ming and I talked about how much the lure of the freebie is driving all of this. Uh, we checked out the profile of one reviewer who was really cleaning up. This guy, and I won't name the name, look at this review starting from here, the 24th. Here's another one on 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 the 24th. So they're reviewing spatula, pizza cutter, garden staples, earplugs, essential oils, and two, day, two days ago, drinking straws, two more days ago. So you look at this and you already can, even if I don't know who the person is in real life, I can make, you and I can make a, 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 an informed judgment that says, who has time to sit down and write 10 reviews on 10 different kinds of products in 10 different categories? And then two days ago, did the same thing on a bike pump. Who's got room for all this? And they're all five stars. Love it, love it. Nice, love it. I don't care if they're real people, the engine looks at this and the engine will say something is wrong. Ultimately though, is it ever going to be possible to catch all the fake reviews? Is FakeSpot's algorithm or is Amazon's search engine good enough to capture all of them? When you're a company that, a, a, as big as Amazon, maybe it's like steering a, a large tanker. There's only so much you can do. Fake reviews aren't Amazon's only problem. The company is also fighting fake products from entering the marketplace. And this is one of those persistent issues that can be very difficult to really permanently put an end to. But it can dent customer trust in Amazon, and it's been in the press recently. Yeah, it has. Uh, most notably, Apple filed a lawsuit last month against an Amazon merchant that it alleges sold fake Apple products, some of them unsafe. And Birkenstocks announced it would stop selling its footwear on Amazon in 2017. Now, Amazon is upping the ante. Earlier this month, Amazon filed two lawsuits against its own vendors for allegedly selling counterfeits on its site. And this problem isn't just unique to Amazon. In, in China, Alibaba has had a knockoff problem for years. eBay probably has just as big of a problem, but it doesn't get as much attention. And it's, it's, it's bad for customers, frankly, because it hurts the merchants who are trying to sell authentic products on sites like Amazon. Yeah, to get a better sense of that, I spoke to Brett Rosenzweig, who sells something called the Urban Shelf on Amazon. It's a product he invented himself, a small plastic shelf that connects to a bed, and you can store your cell phone, wallet, keys, and other items close at hand while sleeping. See, I'll, I'll pull it up here. 
Oh, I see. So it's a, yeah. Well, <laughs> so they're trying to disrupt the lucrative night table industry. I see by just replacing it with this little kind of cafeteria tray thing that you stick into your bed. Yeah, and I think they're they're geared more toward the you know bachelor or the uh, college dorm student that sort of thing where there might not even be room for a nightstand. Okay, so how's Brett doing with the urban shelf? He says sales of the urban shelf tend to spike in the summer. Uh, July and August when students are getting ready for college, and sales were growing. But then he noticed copycat products selling on Amazon for much less than his. Here's Brett telling me about how he decided to buy one of these counterfeits to see it for himself. He got it shipped to his home. When the package arrived, it actually came in a, a box. And the box had our label superimposed on the exterior of the box. So... They actually go on the distance to construct their own urban shelf box for the urban shelf, send it over, and it was all saran wrapped and nice. I mean, it looked very, you know, very professional, aside from a few spelling mistakes on there. You know, imitation is a sincerest form of flattery. I was a little flattered, but at the same time, I was like, oh, these, these rats just stole my design. I, I feel, I feel cheated. I feel, you know, like someone took my took kind of like my baby and, and, and ran away with it. So now Brett said he checks Amazon every day for the urban shelf, looking to see who's selling it. He keeps an eye out for potential fakes. His biggest worry is that the fakes are inferior. So customers buying them who confuse them with the original will be displeased and his product will get a bad reputation based on the knockoff. Has he had any success at all trying to keep these copycats off off the web in general or Amazon in particular? Yeah, in Amazon in particular, he said he spotted counterfeits about five times and that Amazon is generally quick to knock them down after he reports them. They have an automated system, and he said sometimes he's had, he's had to go through that system and report the fakes multiple times, but generally Amazon is quick to act. Well, at first, I was like, you know what, this might go away. Maybe they just have a few of them. Then after a month, I, I still saw that our sales started to dip a little bit because people were buying this lower price shelf. So this got me concerned, and we began to figure out how to get them off of the, the listing. So I had, originally I ordered one as a test sample. I received it in the mail. I took some pictures, I sent it in to Amazon fraud department, and ended up getting that seller's listing removed. That's the only guaranteed way that you can you can make it happen. You can call, you can you know uh, moan in the emails, but they want to see physical evidence of an order the test buy, pictures of the fraudulent shelf, pictures of the legitimate product, and actual concrete proof so that you're, they're not just kicking off some seller by word of mouth. Given all these headaches with selling on Amazon, it's pretty incredible so many merchants stick to the site. But it's also not that surprising. I mean, it speaks to how huge Amazon's customer base is and how large the commerce on the site is. And the fact that there's really no other website in the Western world that comes close to this kind of traffic. You can say that again. Amazon attracts 300 million shoppers, and its marketplace model lets pretty much anyone who wants to sell something get access to that giant pool of people. And it is pretty easy for sellers. I mean, it's much less capital-intensive, time-intensive, resource-intensive than, say, opening up a traditional brick-and-mortar store, or even launching your own website from scratch and then having to go market the site yourself on, on search engines like Google. Exactly. And because of all that traffic Amazon brings these sellers, the money to be made as one of these third-party vendors can be sizable. Amazon has said more than 70,000 marketplace entrepreneurs had annual sales exceeding 
$100,000. And there is a whole ecosystem of other companies growing up around these sellers to support them, to help turn their distribution through Amazon into sustainable business. Yeah, in any given month, dozens of Amazon merchants can be found sitting in hotel conference rooms in Las Vegas, Seattle, and Los Angeles, swapping ideas and listening to consultants discuss strategies. I actually caught up with one such consultant. Eric Heller, E-R-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-R. And your title with uh, Marketplace Ignition? CEO and founder. Eric actually used to work at Amazon, so he gives his clients tips from the inside. At Amazon, Eric used to manage the company's merchant strategies, but now he advises them independently through his company called Marketplace Ignition. Even when I got there in 99, that was well known even then, that idea of the virtuous cycle at Amazon of adding selection. And by adding selection, you add, you add uh, traffic because people want that. And then you add scale and, and you know, ad nauseum until you get to the next level and you sort of level up the site and you can lower price and that will bring more people and start the cycle over again. The marketplace was one of the ways Amazon was able to grow its product offering so fast. It was really clear, even early on, that people were always searching for items that we just couldn't stock fast enough. You know, we started with just books, music, and books, and books, music, video, and then books, music, video, DVD. And as we started to just add in, you know, let's try consumer electronics, let's try other things. It was amazing what the search terms would tell you people still wanted, and you couldn't grow that possibly fast enough. What's interesting is that... In comparison with the early days of the marketplace, he says he's now seeing online merchants paying ever more attention to getting good product reviews. So here's another person saying that's a new development. Here he is again. We've seen a complete shift over the last six to 18 months where brands will come and will say, you've got to help us with Amazon. We say, oh, okay, are you having distribution challenges there? And they'd say, no, you know, we're being told we need to be more involved with Amazon because products have bad reviews. So there's a stat that Amazon talks a lot about and you've seen, and it's been around probably in some form or fashion. I can remember um, since, since I was there, but I have seen it recently too, that a dollar on Amazon translates into more than $7 off Amazon in terms of influence sales. But you know that good, that good reviews on Amazon help you elsewhere. I also asked Eric about preventing fake reviews, something we already heard uh, Ming and Gisela talking about earlier. Can Amazon ever get full control over this? This is always going to be bleeding edge, and there are going to be people pushing the edges of the system. If you said, do I think that at scale this is going to, um, this is going to influence um, Amazon to a point where we, we should all be concerned, I think Amazon is tamped down on the biggest component, and I think there will be some of this happening at the peripheral. Um, I do think it will be harder for someone to get to scale using a system where you're getting a gift card. It's just hard to get a thousand great reviews that way. You know, I still think, for example, that there's probably going to be review clubs going on that'll be hard to track. I think what you're talking about with gift cards still going to be hard to track. And I think further, the idea that you won't be able to really advertise that you're doing that without risking uh, getting a lawsuit from Amazon, I think will will help tamp down some of it as well. But I think it will probably continue to exist and it will be a cat and mouse game. So what do you think, Brad? 
you going to take an extra critical look at those reviews this year when you shop for the twins on Amazon? Or do you think you'll be cutting and pasting URLs into FakeSpot? Well, FakeSpot is a great tool, and I'm appreciative that you pointed it out to us, Spencer. But I think it's unlikely that Amazon's hundreds of millions of customers will, will go to another site to vet reviews. I mean, I think, you know, one of the reasons why people do flock to Amazon is because it's simple, it's easy to use, it has their payment info stored. It's one-stop shopping, and they never have to leave their house. So, you know, ultimately, Amazon has to keep pursuing these bad actors who exploit its platform. And we've seen them make some aggressive changes and big changes to the platform, but do you think that they're ever going to be able to fully contain this problem? Maybe not. I mean, it's like everything on the internet, you know, spam, you know, misinformation. It's a cat and mouse game. And you know, and, and this is sad to say, but I think that consumers have to get a little smarter about online reviews. I mean, we can no longer take them as genuine expressions from other customers. I mean, they are what they are, and some reviews might not be authentic. Uh, some might be gamed, and it might be, in effect, just another form of marketing. And that's it for this week's episode of Decrypted. Thanks for listening. And tell us, have you ever had an experience with fake reviews or products on Amazon? You can write to me on Twitter. I'm at Brad Stone. And I'm at Spencer Soper. And if you're not a Twitter user, you can also write to our producer, Pia. Or even better, record a voice memo and send it to her at P-G-A-D-K-A-R-I at Bloomberg.net. If you haven't already, subscribe to our show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please... Take a moment to leave us an authentic rating and review. It really helps. This episode was produced by Pia Gadkari, Aki Ito, Liz Smith, and Magnus Hendrickson. And Emily Buso edited Spencer Soper's accompanying print story on the Amazon Marketplace, which you can check out at Bloomberg.com technology. Alec McCabe is head of Bloomberg Podcasts. We'll see you next week. 